You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Monster House presents. Monster Talks, a proud member of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Home of such shows as the Daily Meditation Podcast. I know what scares you, and when things go wrong. If you'd like to advertise on the show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland. It's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Talk. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. Spoiler alert, everybody dies. With the exception of wacky characters like St. Germain, humans generally end up the same way as every other living thing, slowly dissolving as bacteria eats us up and returns us to our constituent parts. Around the world, cultures deal in different ways with decay and with the disposition of human remains. I suspect everyone's familiar with Egyptian mummies, and some of you will have seen the mummies of other cultures, such as those of the Incas preserved high in the Andes. Complicated methods for preservation have wildly different results, and sometimes a well-intended effort fails. And sometimes relatively random circumstances give us a 5,000-year-old well-preserved mummy like Otzi the Iceman. More than once, the discovery of an ancient bog burial has led to contemporary confessions from murderers who thought they had been found out. Death's a complicated topic and deals with many powerful human emotions, cultural tides, religious traditions, art, technology, and myth. Some might find it morbid, others beautiful, perhaps sacred, perhaps sacrilegious. Opinions are going to vary. But today's topic is Incorruptible Corpses, and our guest for this topic is Elizabeth Harper. She's written about the Catholic Church's approach to handling dead saints, and she's taken many stunning photos of these bodies and their often majestic presentation to the public. 
Check out the show notes for links to her writing, photos, and to additional links about these allegedly incorruptible dead. Monster Talk. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Uh, welcome to Monster Talk. Hi, thanks for having me. So our guest tonight is Elizabeth Harper. And I first found her blog, All the, the Saints You Should Know, and also Ask a Mortician. And uh, so I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her or not, but we've we've certainly talked about uh, you know, these kinds of uh, topics before. We're wanting to talk tonight about uh, incorrupt corpses. But yeah, actually, Elizabeth, I, I ran across your work, uh, at least uh, you had done an interview on uh, the Order of the Good Death website. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I don't, we don't have any official affiliation yet. I feel like there's sort of um, a kindred view of things a lot of the we've had i think you you may be your fourth guest who's been affiliated with them in some way <laughs> weirdos find each other I just know that everything i read on that site seems very uh, akin to my own views and thoughts and interests so yeah yeah mm-hmm. so so it was, it was very pleasant to see you there and read that article and you know i don't know if you're still hoping to be turned into a chandelier but yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, Elizabeth, would you like to give us a little bio to begin with? Well, I guess I am an academic, but not the kind you think. Um, I actually am a lighting designer, and I teach lighting design for theater at USC. Um, but I've been writing about saints and sort of the odd corners of the Catholic faith, particularly in Italy, for, gosh, about 10 years now. And a lot of it actually started um, around incorrupt saints or in the orbit of incorrupt saints, because um, I went to Italy, to Rome, and I saw all of, like, a lot of tourists coming in the churches. They're beautiful. They're great. And kind of shying away from the bodies that were on display. And there's no really good signage or explanation. There's not, like, a docent that's like, hey, this is what this is. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think as Americans, we're really told not to look at death that it's, you know, it's disrespectful or um, it's morbid. Um, But here these Mm -hmm. things are. And I grew up um, Italian, Catholic. Um, My grandparents are from Italy. And uh, I was like, oh, I know about these people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I was like, I should start writing about this. Um, So I did. And I started taking a lot of photos for, you know, a, people who can't go, but also to really um, to really sort of contextualize what I'm talking about. We're, we're talking today about the concept of incorruptible or incorrupt corpses. What, what does that mean exactly? And does it mean the same thing universally? Is, is this Catholic specific? I can really speak to Catholic practices. I mean, you hear other things like Eva Perone's corpse and things like that, that were sort of immaculately preserved and displayed. Um, But what I can speak to um, in terms of saints is incorruptibility is really kind of a slippery subject. It's not really locked down. In fact, we should should talk about this maybe later, but um, an incorrupt saint, well, not saint yet, but an incorrupt Catholic corpse was found today. Um, so it's a very oh. interesting day to talk about this. Well, that's quite a coincidence. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't believe the work we got to make that line up. It was amazing. So, <laughs> 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 but 
but yeah, so incorruptibility in the Catholic Church is basically um, someone is considered particularly holy. They may or may not be a saint. Usually they aren't a saint yet. Um, they're exhumed, coffins open, and there's a lot of reasons why that happens pretty frequently. And they don't look super dead or they don't look as dead as expected or a part of them doesn't is preserved and the rest of them isn't or <laughs> they're just kind of wet and flexible. It's really, really Ugh. like range of things. Could be a lot. Wet and flexible. In 1734. Incorruptibility wasn't really defined before that. It was kind of just a thing we people talked about. Pope Benedict XIV basically standardized a little bit more what saints are and what qualifies you to be a saint. And he said, incorruptibility, um, it has a lot to do with flexibility. It happens after a time. He didn't specify how long, but he's still sort of the first one to address it and, you know, lay down some kind of idea about what it is. Okay. Well, I'm kind of curious as to uh, the uh, exhumation. Now, you said that that happens a, a fair bit. And uh, why would you exhume a body? Would it be because you're looking for signs to so that that person could be beatified? Or what would be the reasons that you would exhume someone under those circumstances? Yeah, I mean, that's one of them um, is to uh, collect relics. So if you, um, if you have someone who is... Um, maybe already a saint, and you're moving them to a nicer shrine, uh, then you might exhume them to collect relics and surprise. Um, you also might, uh, and this is actually the case with this new um, incorrupt saint, uh, who's St. Wilhelmina Lancaster. She's in okay. Missouri, near Kansas City. Um, so what they do is they bury um, their abbesses in a wooden coffin and they do it for four years. And then they dig them up and move them to like a final resting place. Um, it's, it's a custom that this particular uh, convent has. Uh, they do it on the, um, the Ascension, but the Latin Rite Ascension. They're very big on the Latin mass there. So that actually happens a lot. It's like this um, sort of double death idea, which I've written a little bit about, which basically just means that you know, sometimes you have like an ossuary or something, you know, there's a room called a putridarium uh, that's used a lot in Italy where someone would be buried temporarily for maybe a year or so, let all of the sort of liquids and basically let the body purge, kind of like purgatory. And then once they're mm -hmm. all clean white bones, move them to a final place. So this is their version um, of sort of that idea. Um, so yeah, so that's a, that's a reason they, they might be exhumed as well. Also, it can be really pedestrian, like, you know, they're moving the church or something like that. Right. I see. But I think that's fascinating that there is a, a, a discovery in Missouri, because when I think of incorruptibles, I think of Italy or France, countries in Europe. Uh, I didn't know this kind of thing was happening in the States as well. Yeah, and uh, she's actually, well, they think that, you know, I, I can't check this, but uh, they think that she's the first black incorrupt saint. Wow. wow. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, it's still it's still happening. It's still a thing. Apparently, yeah. 
my knowledge is scattered and, and not very precise, but I know that in I've read in multiple cultures uh, that idea of giving the body's time to sort of get rid of the moist bits uh, and then cleaning it up is is not just common, but like ritualized in a lot of ways. Like, you know, there's different places around the world where it's, you know, I don't know if there's always a religious component, but, you know, there's sometimes there's sort of uh, ancestor veneration involved and, and other things going on there. But um, it does make good sense, especially if you've got limited places to bury, because it's a lot easier to stack a, a, a small stack of bones than dealing with all that other uh, stuff. <laughs> totally. You see that a lot in ossuary is like, um, some of the, the famous ossuaries, like I'm thinking of the one in the Czech Republic, the Sedlik ossuary, they dug up a bunch of, um, of bones when they built the church. And so they made that one, but sometimes it's just, yeah, you don't have room to bury all these bodies. So, you know, you store them away in, um, in an ossuary. So I've seen that, like the, um, there's the Italian ossuary where they've got, they've made art and there's lots of like oh, places yes. where there's they've used bones to sort of lock back other big stacks of bones and and you know yeah. so is is that is that a local practice or is that also part of Catholicism at large that I've just or just I mean I, I don't know I don't know where that fits in religiously versus it just looks it looks interesting and I want to say cool because it's you know these are dead people but <laughs> there's there's a sort of a gothy kind of value to it as well you know I, I certainly see a lot of tourist photos from those places you know yeah I mean, it's not localized to Italy you see it in Portugal um yeah uh Northern, Southern Italy, uh, like I said, the Czech Republic, um, Poland, all over. Uh, I guess you're talking about uh, an incorrupt corpse or uh, incorruptible is a the definitions aren't that clear. But maybe you could, uh, we could hone that a little further uh, by talking about the differences between incorruptibles and embalming and mummification. What are the differences across these different practices? Yeah, so so the deal with incorrupt saints is that they haven't been preserved when they're exhumed, right? So like after they're exhumed, you can preserve them and they're still incorrupt. It's fine. Um, but there's also mummies. A lot of um, a lot of incorrupt saints, particularly a lot of um, mystic women from like the 13th century, were thought to be incorrupt for a long time, like um, like Margaret of uh, Cortona. And uh, there was a team from the University of Pisa that um, that went through a lot of incorrupt saints to try to understand them um, better with the, well, I was going to say with the blessing of the Catholic Church, but like, ugh, terrible puns. Um, <laughs> they found out that a bunch of these women were mummies and like no one had ever looked up their skirt. What? <laughs> yeah. uh, okay so they had these like you know they had like basically they had like you know big cuts in their legs where they were you know there was like ointments and oils and herbs and like no one took off their clothes so they didn't like that information was lost um it's always kind of wild to me like how much information is lost in the catholic church like you would think that we would know you know how many incorrupt saints there are we do not you would think that we would know like what relics are where and we do not <laughs> so you know mm -hmm. 
I can't, you know, I can't give you a number. I can't, I can't give you a list of like, oh, these are and these aren't. You know, that kind of information might be extant in papers, you know, and in, in, in lots of different documents. But has there been any, mm -hmm. do you know of any draw, I don't know what the right word is, movements, drives, uh, programs to try to digitize some of that data? I know that like the Vatican yeah. vaults are like super high tech, but they're also mm -hmm. preserving lots and lots of low tech yeah. information. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that relics are like dividable and subdividable and they change hands and, you know, um, it's a lot of relics have just been straight up lost. Like, um, there used to be multiple pieces of Jesus's foreskin and the last of those we <laughs> lost in like the eighties. I don't know of account at all. There's, um, a woman, uh, Joyce Carol Cruz, who tried to write a book counting all the incorrupt saints and like a lot of them, you know, she wrote to different places and they would write back and say, yes, the saint is incorrupt. And then later we found out, you know, they weren't. And like it, the sources just were a little credulous. So mm -hmm. it's, um, there's, there's not a great count, but her list is like a pretty good place to start. That's uh, interesting about the uh, you mentioning the Jesus's foreskin because I'd always heard that there were just multiple claims, not that they were different pieces. I mean, but that's the thing about relics too is like everything is multiple claims. It's like okay, well, right. personally, this skull isn't John the Baptist, and it's like, well, wait, mm. there's three <laughs> that I've seen. <laughs> like there might be like why does Saint Agatha have like I don't know like. I forget if it's like three or four breasts, like these things happen. And like, it's not terribly important to the church to like validate them. Um, mm -hmm. First of all, because there's like no way the, you know, DNA is degraded. We just don't have that technology. Um, but also there's this idea of like, well, if it works, like if it's, you know, yeah. if it's people, then like, well, isn't, some part of God in this random breast. <laughs> yeah, I, I that I was just re, oh, pardon me, boning up on the uh, shroud of Turin, yeah. <laughs> 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 and uh, you know, there's lots of evidence to support the idea that the shroud of Turin is from, if I remember correctly, from the 1300s. Right, but the official stance has been pretty coy. Because it does bring in lots and lots of people, you know, whether it's yeah. real or, or not. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's part of it's faith-based, you know, if if you believe in these things and it helps you, you know, feel more connected with God or your, your religion or, or, or if it makes mm -hmm. it feel like it's an act of divine magic that this thing is preserved, this, you know, that mm -hmm. there, there's, I can certainly see the value. It's historical artifacts as well. Yeah. But, but like you say, like I've often heard that, you know, if you had all the scraps of the Ark, you could build, you know, a fleet of ships, you know, <laughs> Yeah. like, yeah. you know, what? you get how many, how many crosses could you build from the, you know, pieces of the cross, you know? So mm -hmm. there seems to be some discrepancies there. What? But I mean, like when you think about relics or incorrupt bodies or anything, like the official party line from the church is that, well, it's not the saints that are doing anything. It's God working through the saints' bodies. I use, I like to call it holy telephone. Oh. Um, 
But the truth is that like nobody thinks about it that way. You know, like Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, I was very into the saints. I lived with my grandparents for a while. And um, I remember one of my friends who was Lutheran, um, like telling me about Jesus and her youth group. And I was like, yeah, but that's just like one guy. Yeah, <laughs> I know a lot of guys. <laughs> that yeah, my when I was growing up, my mom, uh, we we were a, a very fundamentalist uh, Protestant, and my mom, you know, complained that the Catholics were. Uh, she thought that they were, uh, I guess, what's the word, polytheistic because of the saints, and I think maybe that goes back to maybe even some of the really mm-hmm. early days of Protestant. And, uh, you know, splits. But there was a point in my life when I considered becoming Catholic and it didn't seem that strange coming at it from uh, the Protestant world. Nothing that was ever said to me from the official party line, if you will, ever sounded blasphemous or polytheistic. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess this is also just sort of the, the cultural uh, background of, of Italy and saints and kind of where I was coming from is like low-key your mom was kind of right. Like we say a lot of prayers to a lot of different people. Not just we're like, yeah. how do you parse that? <laughs> yeah. How do you parse intercession versus literally like when you're praying for a saint, are you pray? I, my, my priest on uh, this, let's just turn this into a religion podcast. My priest on my ship, when I was uh, talking about this idea, he said, well, you know, if you had a friend who worked at the White House, wouldn't you ask your friend to like put a good word in with the president? It's the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in the telephone. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, Elizabeth, I believe in uh, one of the interviews I'd read that you'd done, you talked about uh, the incorruptibles being downgraded by the church from relics to favorable signs. So, is that true? And when did that happen? And perhaps you can tell us uh, what constitutes a relic as well. So a relic is a piece of a saint or um, one of the um, sort of steps uh, uh, before being uh, canonized. Um, okay. And it's a piece of the body of um, a blessed or uh, canonized person. So it's literally mm-hmm. any piece. It's, you know, a finger, a piece of skin, um, a hair, uh, anything. So it's um, an incorrupt corpse. It's still a relic if that person is um, blessed or a saint, but it's not a miracle. There's this whole process in being canonized where you have to work a certain number of miracles after you're dead. Um, so like opening a grave and being found incorrupt just isn't one of them. You know, you, you have to do stuff for other people. You can't just like do stuff for yourself. It's not enough. Yeah. But they think it's a, it's about the resurrection of the body and that person being like ready to go. So, you know, it's, it's putting in a good word with the Pope, just saying like, Hey, I might be a saint, but it's not, it doesn't count. Some of your photos. Oh, they're amazing photographs too, we should add. Well, they are amazing, first of all. But in yeah. some of the presentations of these dead people are, are stunning. Now, what gets me though is some of them have been modified with stuff like wax. And it looks incredibly realistic, but 
Is it pretty clear when you look at these? Like, is there a sign saying, you know, with help by wax or like, like, or is this being presented as an incorrupt corpse and we're to believe that this is flesh, but it's actually wax? Like, how secret is that? Is this a trick? Is it like, what? I don't understand. <laughs> confusing. It is, yeah, it totally is confusing. And that's one of the reasons why I decided writing about this, I decided to write about this is, um, I think a lot of people sort of uncharitably see it as a trick and it's, it's not like nuns aren't dumb, you know, they're, they know it's wax or that the person looks dead or whatever. Um, but the presentation is meant to inspire you, right? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. actually that, you know, um, <laughs> what the Protestants were like working against. It's that sort of theatrical sort of shock and awe of, yeah seeing this person who looks alive, um, but is in fact dead. So it's not a secret, but it Mm -hmm. isn't clearly labeled. Like people don't talk about it because I I really disagree with this. There's this idea that like churches aren't museums. And um, I give tours at the LA Cathedral. So I talk a lot about this and I really love being a docent because I, I think it's important to contextualize these things, whether you're religious or not, because then you get people who mislabel incorrupt corpses, who don't understand what they are, who think we're all sort of stupid for, you know, um, thinking that they're really that they really look like that when it's obviously wax. Right. So it's it's just really difficult to parse. But like no one thinks they're real, real when they're mm-hmm. covered in wax because they're also covered in like in silver, in marble in wax that is monochrome. So it's it's just a presentation style. Gotcha. Can you tell us a little bit about how um, they do preserve these corpses then? So they could use wax. Uh, I'm assuming they use things like uh, temperature and lighting, other aspects. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and are there more <laughs> saints above the frost line in, in the desert? That's <laughs> well, good question. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One reason that we find these in in Italy, you know, in other parts of um, the Mediterranean, especially in Sicily, the climate just makes mummies really well. So mm-hmm. it naturally preserves, and especially, you know, um, I'm cribbing this from Heather Pringle's um, really excellent book, uh, The Mummy Congress. But yeah, I mean, churches are naturally cool. Um, you know, the stone seals them in, some of them in. Um, it keeps mm-hmm. that moisture. And sometimes it, yeah, for every corpse that we do dig up, 
there's probably other ones that we don't dig up that are also in, you know, meet the standards of incorrupt. So yeah, so it it could happen all the time just based on sort of natural causes. In the cases where they do this beautiful wax uh, touch-up work, do they start with, that's an unusually well-preserved corpse, let's just take it to the next level? Like, at what point do you trigger the, this one's good enough, we need to take the next step to do more preservation and presentation? Oh, man, it's all over the place. Is it? Okay. Okay. (laughs) I mean, that's the fun thing about incorruptibility, though, is like, it's so wide ranging. It's so sort of, you know, fungible. Um, So yeah, sometimes they'll look at a body and they'll be like, this is incorrupt. And they'll just like dip it in usually like carbolic acid and it kind of mummifies it and makes the corpse all brown and shriveled. So they'll, they'll do it that way. Um, yeah, sometimes they'll <laughs> quote unquote take it to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely said there. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they'll do that, you know, just over the skeleton. Um, so usually, you know, we have some sort of idea of what this person looked like. Um, in a couple of cases, we don't. St. Cecilia, um, an early martyr. She was the first incorrupt saint. And the most famous image of her is the way that she was found, the position that she was found in. It's carved in marble. It's actually on top of her tomb. Um, But her face is facing away from us and there's no way you can see it, which I've Mm. always thought is really beautiful. You can just see she's, um, like I said, she's a martyr and you can see the axe wound on her neck. Um, But yeah, it's, um, it's a portrait um, some of them are highly, highly realistic. Like these aren't incorrupt people, but again, like how can you possibly tell when people like, you know, Padre Pio have, you know, he died, um, God, in what, the sixties? I think and, it was the late sixties. Yeah. 60s, yeah, yeah. Long ago. yeah like the late sixties. And he has like a super lifelike latex mask. And he's not incorrupt, but people think he is all the time. Yep, I've seen the images of him, and uh, it makes me think of Lennon as well. Mm-hmm. Not not an incorruptible, but uh, preserved. Oh, you mean <laughs> the Russian? I was. You always talk Lennon, about the Beatles. No, yeah, not, yep. not John Lennon. No. <laughs> That'd be cool, though. Yeah. Sure, yeah, sure. That would be. Yeah, I'd, I'd make a pilgrimage there. Pope John Paul, people think he, you know, he looks incorrupt, but he's not. He was preserved like crazy. There were so many like chemical baths and an airtight coffin and, you know, all of these really intense preservation methods on his body. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, well, it did seem like he was being sort of fast tracked. Uh, oh, totally. Yeah. So I, I didn't mm-hmm. know. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Politics and popularity, these things come into play in some of this, I guess. So, all in all of it, I mean, since the beginning of time, not time, but it's been a church. Well, I'll let you say that. I'm gonna, well, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be as respectful as I can. You know, when you know, I used to be a very devout person and, and now I'm not, and it's just like I still know. This is such an important and, and, and powerful, symbolic, and meaningful thing to so many people. So I'm just trying yeah. to be respectful. But 
No, I actually don't think it's disrespectful. I mean, if you look at where saints came from, um, there didn't used to be like a checklist of things you had to do. You would just die in some little city and everyone would be like, that person was saintly. And it would be like, okay, well, that's a saint. And if they were, if they visited you and you got well, they're a saint. And if they visit you and you get sick, they're a vampire. This is, yeah, that seems. It was so great. He said, no, it worked out great. No one got burnt. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, you're talking about relics or body parts as relics. So uh, fragments of bone and hair and things like that. Now I've heard about some incorruptible body bits as well things like tongues and hearts have you ever seen any of those or know anything about those I have yeah it's um like I said earlier like um it doesn't have to be a whole body that's incorrupt it can just be you know part of you um actually Mm -hmm. in Paris it's really cool because you can go see the body of Saint John Vianney and he's in this crazy coffin that you have to like walk up a staircase above the altar to get to, and he has this super lifelike mask, so he looks incorrupt. His body is not incorrupt. If you walk down the street to the miraculous metal chapel, his heart is incorrupt, and that's kept there. Very cool. I'm very envious of all of your travels. That's so neat, or interesting. I I don't know what the right adjectives here, but the uh, uh, it's this... Uh, preservation of parts is so interesting it's like people want some tangible something you know to mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. latch on to you know it, yeah. to reinforce their faith and beliefs and uh you know i it and i guess it might be that catholicism is, is um more prone to this because there's already, you know, well, a lot of religions have these things, these, you know, uh, rosaries and tokens that you use to focus and, you know, crucifixes, medals, medals and, and, and uh, exactly coins and all these, you know, different ways to, to remember and remind and, and ritualize. So I've always thought it was really funny that oh. there's like Catholic supply stores, like we need supplies. Oh, I love those. I love going through those stores. It's so much fun. <laughs> Although there's something weird about because like sometimes I can't tell whether it's like you know especially at like sort of low end flea markets and stuff. Uh, it seems like the Catholic stuff gets mixed in with the Santa Ria stuff, and it's like you know I, it's it's a, it's a fascinating mix of this stuff was all made in China. What's <laughs> I mean when you get into sort of that like Santa Ria stuff, like it's that's the point of it, right? Like it was colonized people who were like, okay, you're Catholic now. And it was like, well, I want to keep my indigenous religion. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to funnel it in through these saints. So, you know, that's the way it grew out of it. So yeah, it's all jumbled together. And I think it's like, you know, really apropos. Can you give us a few examples of some of the most famous uh, around the world of these uh, incorruptibles? I mean, we've talked about some of the parts, but maybe some, I'm thinking here like ones that I might be able to find a photo of and put in the show notes. (laughs) Elizabeth's audio cut out here for just a moment, but the first example she's talking about is St. Catherine of Bologna. She's the real deal. She's like sitting in a chair. She, uh, she's pretty iconic. And what's crazy about mm-hmm. her is she was only in the ground for like a few weeks. And then they dug her wow. up and were like, wow, look. And it's like, well, okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, she is she's iconic. You should definitely get a picture of her. I've always thought that St. Bernadette 
of Lords uh, that she. Oh yeah, looks very beautiful, and uh, I, I think she's a case of the wax, wax yes. work. <laughs> she she is she is wax. Um, no one is that beautiful after they're dead. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they yeah. they do a good job. These these wax uh, like I was looking at um, Anna Maria Tige. I man, I trip up on her name every time. Yeah. Uh, we can call her Blessed Anna Maria. Like that'll work. <laughs> I mean, she looks like a nice old lady having a nap. You know, she is mm. having a nap. Well, like when <laughs> I went, to, I photographed her for the um, Metropolitan Museum of Arts uh, catalog for Like Life, um, which is about uh, color and the body. And uh, I was talking to um, like the sacristan, who's basically like the keeper of the church, you know, if there is a docent, like you got to find the guy, he's like maybe mopping in the back or something. Um, but I asked if he could let me in to see like her additional relics. And he was like, Oh, you want to see those little old lady things? <laughs> what? <laughs> it, was like, it was her little old lady things. But yeah, no, she looks like she's taking a nap. She she's really so does. Do you know how, I mean, what's the actual technique there? Like, how do they, is this just freehand artistry with wax? Or did they have a model? Or did they have a death mask? Or where did? Oh, man, I do not know. Okay. Well, they... <laughs> it's probably different every time. It's also probably true. I mean, I like, I know, like, uh, Eva Perone or, uh, the, you know, we don't know exactly what went into that. Well, same with linen as well. I mean, there's like, they tried everything, and they're you know very mad scientists kind of, of stuff. Money yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. And, Linen's very well. Preserved. And both of those are very secular examples, you know. So yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it's not only Catholicism, and I think it's uh, the Orthodox Church too. And well, and I would argue both of those cases fit right into this uh, the. The mythological value of of veneration of these figures who have become bigger than life in death, right? You know, so mm -hmm. there, there's a lot symbolically. I can see where that would be globally understood. I mean, and mm -hmm. pe we have monuments as well to to perceived great people, whether they're really great or not. It's a different question, but yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we've got lots uh, lots more things that we could talk about. We should probably start winding down the, the questions pretty soon. But I wanted to ask you, uh, Elizabeth, you mentioned the smell, the kind of sweet smell uh, of some of the the incorruptibles earlier. And uh, I'm, I've just heard that uh, that is kind of one of the, the features of uh, some of the incorruptibles, that instead of smelling rotten, they smell sweet. And I'm wondering if that's just a feature of... Uh, possible embalming or what do you know about that what do you think's going on there yeah it's called the odor of sanctity it's um you know i i don't like to speculate that. on like what's going on there you know because i sure i don't know um i am not particularly a, a believer even though i i grew up really steeped in this uh, and i used to be you know, I think there is an interesting story about Padre Pio. There's a lot of like real questionable stories about Padre Pio, about how he said he had the odor of sanctity while he was alive. And, you know, uh -huh. he was kind of like getting some rose perfume on the side, maybe. Uh -huh. So, uh, yeah. So I, but, you know, as far as incorrupt saints, I can't, 
I can't say, but some of them do um, have what's called the odor of sanctity. Um, some of them sort of um, exude oil that's collected and given to people. Um, okay, yeah. it's just like, uh, I guess, sculptures and paintings that we boil, similar to that. Yeah, very similar, very similar. But I'd heard about uh, Padre Pio, as you say, some questionable things possibly going on there. I'd heard that he uh, created his stigmata by using carbolic acid, and you were yep. talking about that earlier, to preserve yep. the bodies. Yep. Oh, yeah. That guy's – his story is a whole mess. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting guy. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of the stigmata people seem seem to be, you know, I, well, there's that whole phrase, pious fraud, right? Where the the mm -hmm. idea is to promote faith, even if you're doing a little trickery. Um, not right. saying that's a good thing, but I, I certainly understand it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like, is there anything in particular that we might not have covered that you'd like people to know if, if people are interested in learning about incorrupt or incorruptible uh, bodies? Yeah, I mean, there. Uh, I would just highly, highly again recommend Heather Pringle's book, The Mummy Congress. Um, fantastic chapter on incorrupt saints. Um, you know, pick up Joyce Carol Cruz's book, The Incorruptibles. It's, you know, it is sort of credulous, but it's a, it's a really great place to start if you want to like plan a little vacation for yourself on around incorrupt saints. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there, so. Um, there is a great um, sort of team at the University of, of Pisa uh, headed by Isio Fulcari, um, who if you if you like reading academic journals like I do, I highly recommend their papers. Cool. Or, you know, you can also just like I wound up on this like super extremist Protestant website who because I have this picture of myself with an incorrupt saint um that a nun took and uh they said i was possessed by satan i've seen that picture yeah, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know, read their stuff both sides man <laughs> yeah, yeah. well when you're there with a saint aren't you technically taking a selflessy <laughs> <laughs> oh nice <laughs> oh boy and on that note uh, we've got a final a final question that we like to ask all of our guests, and that is, what's your favorite monster? Uh, I'm going to go with Mothman, um, because a friend of the show, uh, Colin Dickey, went to Point Pleasant to um, go to the Mothman Festival. And I was, he told me about this crazy statue that they had, and I Googled Mothman so I could see it. Mm -hmm. and, um, Instead, I found this bumper sticker that said, Mothman ate my entire ass at a Denny's. <laughs> so I no. bought it for him and sent it to him. Was he happy? I mean, I think so. I think he was <laughs> delighted. Mothman's statue is famous because uh, it's got that round bifurcated butt. <laughs> yeah, he's, mm. Yeah, kind of stacked. Yeah, he's been doing some squats, uh, mm -hmm. seems like. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, uh, interesting answer. It, yeah, you it, can just say my favorite uh, monster is Mothman. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, well, say hello to Colin for us. That's fantastic, yeah, too. Yeah, say hi to Colin. Hello. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for spending some time with us talking about Incorruptibles. Oh, thanks for, thanks. Thanks for having me on. This was really fun.
cool. Thank you. And uh, people should go and check out your blog uh, and your photography is just beautiful on there. And uh, everything that you do is really interesting and really important too. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I have a new essay that's out that just came out in the image journal called um, the violent Madonnas. That's about um, sort of the two sides of the Virgin Mary at, in Italy. There's a tradition of Madonna's images of her um, killing people and coming to life. So it's a little bit that, oh. uh, and you know, about that and motherhood and things like that. So. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Very cool. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You just heard an interview with Elizabeth Harper talking about the incorruptible corpses within the Catholic tradition of saint veneration. Links to articles and additional information about these funerary practices are in the show notes. Monster Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys, and we sure do appreciate your taking the time to listen to our show, and we hope you'll suggest it to your friends. been a monster house presentation lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.